Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. We, we start a brand new series. I love when we start things. Hate finishing things, but love starting things. Any starters here? It's like, oh, i got an idea. I'm going to start this thing. And you don't finish it. That's why I've got like a half. There's a, there's, in one of our rentals, like back in Sydney, there's like a testimony to my half-finished veggie garden. Um, but that's okay. But I like starting new things. And, and I'm really excited about this series called House to House. And, uh, and this is probably more important. This is our, our mission. How we build a connected, healthy, and growing church. And so we want to take the next seven weeks to unpack the ways we build a connected, healthy, and growing church. Right? And as we look into this, we're actually going to be pulling out from... um, wisdom from the Acts of the Apostle. We're actually going to only look at maybe five to six verses in Acts 2, Um, but even in the statement that is the inscription on the manuscripts they found when they were originally translating into the different languages that we now have within the Bible, as they found some of the most reliable original manuscripts around this collection of writings from Luke, uh, most of them had this inscription across called the praxis of the apostolon. So it's basically the praxis of the apostles or the acts of the apostles, but it's the same word we get, the practices. Okay, praxis. So it's not just the deeds of the apostles, but rather it's expressing the ways and the function and the, 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 the way that God ordered his initial spread of the gospel and the building of the church. So if we're going to look at how we should maybe build a church, it's probably a good place to start, is how did they do it? Now, we're not saying that that's the pure church and we get back to that. When people come to me and said, we, we should build the church like the early church did, I go, well, which one? Are you talking about when they first started meeting in Jerusalem or after they got kicked out because they were going to get killed or after they were meeting in some Greek lady's home or every church was different then, but there were some core foundations of the way they did church within the early framework. And so as we unpack Acts together, we're going to be looking at this, how we build a connected, healthy and growing church. As a church, we want to be intentional in our connections, with Christ and with one another. As we deepen those connections, we will be a healthy church and healthy things grow. Now, unhealthy things grow too. I love my lawn. Is there any lawn lovers here? Yes, Joel. Yes, Pete. Who else? There's only a few of us, you see. We're odd people. You'll find us with these things attached to our shoes that have spikes on them walking up and down our lawn. You'll find us just going through and looking through the grass, weeding carefully because we care about the growth of this lawn because it represents much more than grass. To me, it represents the the, the success of me as a husband and a father. My children might be crazy, but my lawn is beautiful. My wife might publicly shame me, but my lawn is beautiful. 
And healthy things grow. If we can keep the health in that lawn, man, it'll keep growing. But unhealthy things grow too. And so you have to cultivate that and look after that. And so the healthy growth then looks like this. It looks like more people. Nope. That's good, but that's not healthy growth necessarily. You can grow really quickly in a business and it might not be healthy. Because if you can't sustain or maintain that growth, people get hurt. But when you are focused on the good growth, oh my gosh, you can sustain it and build a legacy and something that will keep going. And this church is going to keep going and keep growing. But the areas that we will grow in, they may not look that exciting at times. And gardening isn't that exciting at times. It's a lot of manure, it's a lot of digging, it's a lot of dirty, it's a lot of work. But the healthy growth is an increase in our connections and health. And therefore the fruitfulness that God wants us to produce is that our love for Christ and one another would grow. That our maturity would grow. And sometimes that requires us to be real with one another. When Ephesians 4, Paul is breaking down how the church is meant to grow. He says, speaking the truth in love, we would all grow to the full stature in Christ. It requires us to have real conversations sometimes. It requires in moments where you won't want to go to home church because you go there and there's that person that you're having an issue with. And your normal way of dealing with that is to leave. But Christ is asking you to come in and build and have a real conversation in love and actually move through something. That's healthy growth. Because too many people walk around fearful of being judged. Fearful of what will people say if I say this. But if we build a community of love and trust with one another, and we actually take the time to do that, we can have real conversations. As your senior pastor, I don't feel like a senior pastor. But anyway, as your senior pastor, you can be real. Don't smile and go, how was your week? Awesome. And behind you going, I'm really upset with you right now, the way you're doing this at church. Let's talk. Let's just talk. Because when you elevate things and you can have confrontation with kindness, stuff gets surfaced and we can mature as a community. How are we doing out there? Most of you, by that goodness, is not good. Are we actually okay? Let's be real. Okay. That our support and care is growing. Then, the addition to our church, in terms of more people coming in, is what God does when we are faithful with what we have. The principle of stewardship is very simple in Jesus' mind. If you are faithful with the little, I can give you more. Trust me. Pastor Phil used to say to me, greatest line ever, the reward of your work is more work. Some of you are like, why do I keep getting given more? Because you're doing a good job. Stop doing such a good job. He won't give you much. If you're faithful, don't do that by the way. If you're faithful, he can trust and he keeps bringing. Okay, so we wanted to call this house to house because as a leadership team, we believe that the way we achieve a connected, healthy and growing church is partly outworked in our way of us continuing to meet house to house, which is our home church model. And I'll go into that a little bit later. 
But however, we're also calling it house to house because the results of being a connected, healthy and growing church should be felt in our every home. It should be felt in the core of what we do. It should be felt in our everyday life. We don't want to just preach a message and talk about something that actually doesn't happen at home. We want what happens here integrated and and appropriated in your everyday life so that you can be free. Because for freedom, Christ set us free. And I've met way too many Christians who can sing about freedom, who can scream about freedom, but their life is in chains. You don't have to stay in chains. For freedom, Christ came to set us free. And that happens as we can do this as a church and as a community. And so, the Acts of the Apostles. Because we're only going to focus on a really little bit, I thought uh, just for our future uh, preaching and messages, I would just give us a big summary of the book of Acts so you know where we are in Acts. Does that sound good? Okay, how are we going, kids? We doing all right? Yes? Focus level still there? Hang with me, all right? Just hold. How are we doing, kids up the back? You good? Can I keep going? Tension levels are all right? Okay, if you ever get distracted, just stand up and turn around really quickly three times and then you can sit down. All right. So it was composed by, the, by Luke, the physician and traveling partner of the Apostle Paul. It was addressed to uh, his friend Theop- Theophilus. That's a good name. Beautiful name. Anyone thinking of having children? Theophilus. It works for boys and girls. It is the sequel to Luke's gospel and is the continuation of the story of Jesus, how his good news was spread and his church was formed from Jerusalem into the heart of the Roman Empire. It was written to encourage his friend, and now it encourages us that the gospel we believe in is true, and that the gospel and our faith and his church will keep growing despite any persecution that would come against it. Now, when we look at the book of Acts, it can be broken down into six sections, and can I get those sections up there, please? The survey says... Nope. Nope. Okay. Oh. There we go. We'll keep going. Section one uh, is found in uh, chapters one to verse uh, chapter six, seven. It's the ascent of Jesus. Uh, And then we go into section two and that goes into the gospel, goes out to Judea and Samaria. And then it goes through how the gospel goes to the Gentiles. That's a really cool story. Any Gentiles here with us today? Better question would be any actual Jewish people here with us today? Okay, so the rest of us, guess what? We're all Gentiles. You're wonderful people. Okay, and then the gospel went to Asia Minor, and then it goes to Macedonia, and then the Acacia, and then the gospel goes to Rome, meaning Paul goes to Rome, and it's not a great story for Paul, but he did a great job. Okay, and so the passage we are studying in this series is in that first section, when, when the ascent of Jesus and the descent of the Holy Spirit and the early church forming in Jerusalem. Now, in the next two weeks, what we want to focus on is how we gather and grow together. So how we gather and grow together. Say together. 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 Does anyone hate when preachers say, say together? You're like, fine, I'll say together. You have permission not to say it if you feel like, no, I don't want to say it. That's fine. But if you feel like you want to say it, you can say it. Say together. Hey, you see? Good. You used your free will. That's wonderful. All right. What it means for us to be in fellowship and why we should prioritize the two ways in which we gather as a church, meaning we gather as a large community, and then we gather in homes, okay? So, we'll start this. Are you ready? Acts 2, 41. So, those who accepted his message were baptized, 
And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. That's, that's big. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. Next, next line. Thank you. Oh, we're nearly there. Next one. There we go. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and, uh, and properties and distributed their proceeds, proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. Any food lovers out there? Isn't it joyful to eat food? Praising God and having favor with all the people, both in the community and, and extendingly out. And every day, get this, the Lord added to them those who were being saved. So, this, this, this text finds us uh, following Pentecost. So it's really interesting the way that, that Luke is ensuring they understand the way this process is working. Because ultimately, whatever I talk about, our systems, our structures, the way we do it, it means nothing unless Jesus is center and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, so, so this is all finding, it's almost like a pause moment for, for, for Luke where he's going, here's where we're at, but it's only because Jesus reigns as King and Lord and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But within that context then, he provides a framework of what was happening within this community that enabled it to continue to be a connected, healthy and growing church. So the response then to salvation, this call that Peter, the apostle, filled with the Holy Spirit, he calls out and he says, guys, you've got to get saved out of rebellion. Because that's all that sin is. All sin is, whether it be, not, not the specifics of I sinned in this area, if we were just to go, what is sin? It purely means I chose me. I decided I knew best. God asked me to go here. And I missed the mark because I went way over there. But he calls them back and, Peter, and they say, well, what should we do? And he says, be saved. And it says that they accepted. So step one was an, a, 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 a decision of what we call repentance, which is purely a changing of your mind. It's kind of agreeing with God and going, yeah, you got me. I, I, I need you, King. I need you. I accept you to be my Lord, not just my Savior, my Lord, so I can start following in your way. And then it says they committed to that in a sign called baptism. So today, Ez got baptized, and, and that's awesome because he's making a commitment, and it means a whole lot. We could talk a whole, like for hours on baptism and what it represents and means, but can you remember when you were a kid, for some of us who are no longer kids, and the water in the pool was cold? Remember that? And, and, and you'd watch some kids and they'd come up and they'd put their toe in and they'd wait and they'd wait and then finally they couldn't feel their toe anymore so now they were ready for the next part of their body to just slowly lose feeling and you'd just slowly get in or there was the other kid who would just run and jump and go all in. 
The symbol that baptism gives us is that. It is a full immersion. It's like I'm 100% devoted and in. So then we get to this idea that they were then devoted. Now it says they devoted themselves. But actually in the original Greek, if we're to pull that apart, the better way to translate would be they were being the ones who were devoted. Now that's clunky, right? That's clunky. They were being the ones who were devoted. But what it indicates is that this was not such a, they just devoted themselves. Like they went shopping. They, they decided, okay, you got me, fine, I'll do it. No, they were being the ones who were becoming devoted. It's, it's got more to do with not so much what they do, but who they were. You see, Christianity is not about what you do. Are you a Christian? Yes, I prayed a prayer. I did something. No, you didn't do something. You became something. Before, you were alienated from the Father, but now you became a child of God. When you become something, and that is sealed by the Spirit, and you baptize yourself into that, I don't care how many times you muck it up. I don't care how many times you fail. I don't really care how far you might feel. You're still a son of God. You're still a daughter of God. You can't outrun the love of God when you've committed yourself to being. But we're not only being something, we're at the same time becoming something. So it's a process. So they were in this wonderful, weird process of being something and becoming something. And that's called discipleship. And so they devoted themselves to the instruction from the world. They decided, I'm going to live guided by the word. They devoted themselves to prayer. They were in a communion with God, communicating with him. But they also understood that their responsibility of the church doesn't... It, prayer is not the last resort, right? I've got nothing left to do. I guess I'll pray. No, it is the thing you do. It's a holy act of mission that the church is being called to. When you pray, mountains move. When you say, I will agree with God in this and pray, and particularly when we do it as a community, we can see things shift. I bet you every intercessor in the world is slapping their head when people go, wow, that was an amazing coincidence. They've been praying for you, you idiots. God moved. Tana is on it. When we pray, when we pray. By the way, we're not idiots, and please don't be offended. Okay, breaking of the bread, that means they acknowledge as one people... Because this is a family act, getting around, we're all agreeing, Jesus is the center of it all. As soon as Jesus is no longer the center of it, we are a body without a head, and you're useless and dead. But if you can keep acknowledging Christ, only Jesus, the center of all things, the body will keep living. I've got to move faster. Here we go. How are we going? Okay, good. So then, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, but they also devoted themselves to the fellowship, the koinonia. They devoted themselves to communal identity. Now, later in Acts, Paul is, is meeting up with these, these Greek people, these leaders, these philosophers, and, and they're, they're trying to work out what is his vibe, because he sounds like an atheist. They, he doesn't believe in the gods, the Greek gods. But he also sounds deeply committed to a God. And so he's trying to explain to them who this God is. 
And he finds this little uh, statue and he's like, or a temple, we don't really know exactly what it was, but he finds something that represents to an unknown God. So he says, hey, let me talk to you about this unknown God. You kind of recognize it already because you sense there's something in this, but let me show you who he really is. His name is Jesus. And he says, in him, in Jesus, we live and move and exist. In Christ alone, we find our very being and existence, right? So we find our being, our means in Christ, but we are in Christ when we are in the body. So if you are, I like Jesus, not so sure about the church, I have to tell you that Jesus only envisioned his people within a community. Now, I'm not suggesting in that statement that people who aren't currently going to church are no longer connected to Jesus, because we're all on a journey, right? But, what, but if we just say we can go to the end result and not be in the body and connected to community, we're missing something. We're missing something. Because in community, in fellowship, is where God brings us together and begins to perfect us. Because... With family, you can't pick your family, right? I can p- pick my friends, but it's hard to pick your family. And I don't know about you, and we don't stream this, I don't think. Oh, actually, we probably do. So sorry, Ben and Josh and Jess, but i got wonderful siblings, but sometimes we really annoy each other. It'd be much easier to disconnect myself from that family, but i got to work through it with them. And in the body, love is being perfected because it's being tested all the time. Right, DK? It's being tested. But we love one another and we work through this and Christ is formed. So all the believers then were together and held all things in common. Really important. Not uniformity, unity. If we want everyone in here to be the same as me, no, not the goal. And if you meet someone and you, they rub you up because you're a bit different, it's okay. It's good for you. There's beauty in difference. We're not asking uniformity. The things they held in common meant that they had a common or united passion. That's what the word really means. Common desire, meaning they were connected in their unity to pursue Jesus together. But one of them was like this, and another one was over here, and then there's crazy Uncle Ted over here, and, and, and there's all these wonderful different people working together, different. Anyone feel different? I feel very different right now. You're all looking at me like, who is this strange man? Okay, but, but we're connected. We're one in the family. They sold their possessions and property, uh, and every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread house to house. I've got five minutes. Here we go. This is, this is what I want to talk into in our last moments together. How they lived as a church was a life of connection and community from temple to home. And we want to reflect that in the way we do church. So in the temple uh, was the place, I keep touching my face as if I'm wearing my glasses to fix it, but I just, actually I can't see because I'm not wearing my glasses. Oh, I forgot my glasses. The temple was the place that God and people came to meet. Now, in, in, in the way that they understood within, within the uh, 
the framework of, of a Jewish mind was that this was where God dwelt. Okay, and so they would come to the place where God dwelt. And it was the gateway between the Creator and His creation. But in the New Testament church, His people have become this. The people in which He dwells. We are a temple. We become the intersection between spirit and earth. So Peter, who's a big player in the Acts, he's, he's got a big role. But in he, one of his letters, he wrote this in 1 Peter 2.5. It says, You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sac- sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. When we gather as one, we are a local expression of a universal reality called the church. In this church today, we're just one example of millions of others around the globe meeting together to say we are one. And when we meet, we are proclaiming out that we have found the one worthy of all praise because all of humanity, whether they know it or not, were created for worship. They were created to praise something. They were created to follow something. And when we meet together, we are saying we are centralizing our community and our convictions around that truth. And we are, he is worthy of our praise and we become the proclaimers of the reality that we have gone from missing it, from not seeing it, being in darkness, into this marvelous revelational light. And we do that when we meet with just one more of us. Just two or more. But when we meet like this, it's amplified, isn't it? There's something about getting together. There's something about the, the, the apostles and all the early church going into the temple courts and doing this all together. And they're like, wow, look at our numbers. There's 3,000. It's growing every day. It's crazy. But look at us all. We're one church glorifying the one king. So as one, we come to church and we worship. We're doing a, a series in, in spring. We're going to be talking about our, the Psalms and our souls and, and the power of worship in that space. As one church, we're encouraging one another. I'm so encouraged. When I come here, because you turned up. It's really discouraging when you're a pastor and you turn up and no one came. But you came. So I can deal with my insecurities a little more. My anxiety is slightly relieved. Don't ever, ever, ever underestimate the power of your presence. You're like, I don't want to go to church today. Please come. It encourages me. And one day you'll do that for someone else and someone else will do that for you. We encourage one another. As one church, we proclaim the gospel and call out for people to be saved and begin a journey with Jesus. As one church, we are an inclusive community, aren't we? Welcoming anyone new. Not judging where they've come from. Not judging even where they are. But embracing them and helping them take next steps into Jesus. That's who we are when we are one. It's powerful. Look at each other. Go ahead. Just take a moment. Smile at someone. Come on. Be nice. That's good. We're encouraged. When Australia lost to England, and I weeped, 
But then I came, I saw Adam, and I was encouraged. There's always next year. Encourage one another. You need it. It's good for you. They met in temples. But then they met in homes. Why did they meet in homes? Because they were Jewish. This is how they knew to do this. So they know their history. Right? All of Israel, millions of them, taken out of Egypt, out of captivity, into freedom. Now they've got to live into freedom. How do you do that? How do we work out? How do we disciple one another? How do we do this? Well, we start with Moses and millions of people, and all day he sits there. Problem. Okay, what are we going to do with you? Yep, good idea, Moses. Awesome. Next. Oh, this is exhausting. How can one person do this? Well, you don't. I mean, you can if you want to. You can just run a church of large community and have some guy up the front saying how we should live and what you should do and then and hope that you appropriate it. Or Jethro, the genius father-in-law, can come and say, what you're doing is not good. You need to break it down into community. So then we see how Jesus taught. He spoke in parables and then he would take his disciples aside and really help them apply it and appropriate. And what we realize this is, is because we are a redeeming community. We are meant to be the people of God that are embracing truth, having our lives transformed, not in transactional relationship, but in a transformative relationship where we actually can help one another grow into Christ and move out of stuck into freedom. But you can't do that in this setting. Because if I say to you right now, let's confess our sins together. Who's ready? I'll go. Oh, that was awkward. But when you're home, home's safe. Home's real. Home, home is a way of connecting and accepting. In a home, you can accept and be accepted. In a home, you can love and care and be loved and cared for. In a home, you can challenge but be ready to be challenged. In a home, we have this environment, hopefully, where you are having a, trans, trans, a transformative relationship of giving and giving and receiving and receiving and growing and growing and strengthening the bonds of connections. Now, there are many ways that we can do this as a church. And in fact, we've always done it within our connect group structure. But Pastor Steve and Deb and the executive team and the leadership team felt we were going into a season where we needed to lift the intentionality around our home gatherings. So we devoted a whole weekend service where we'd normally to do this to say we're going to meet in homes. And then we came along and Pastor Steve said, tag, you're it, bye. I was like, oh no, I've never done this before. This is different. I'm used to three services on a Sunday, connect groups, meetings, everything. And I'm anxious. I'm enjoying that. But as we prayed about it, we started to realize maybe there's something on this for us. So we did a survey and you were incredibly not helpful. Because <laughs> some of you loved it and, and slightly more of you. Yeah. Some of you are like, ah. But most of you, like I'm talking 80% of you said, whatever you guys feel, we'll be with you. So that encouraged me. So I was like, okay, well, what does my leadership team feel? 90% of them, let's keep going. We feel God on this. Okay. 
And then me and Tam went and prayed about it and felt it. And we're like, we feel we should keep going in this. We feel there is something in this, in the way that we do community and we focus in on it, that is really, really good for us. Now, I understand it's not everyone's preference. I understand that. I understand that there are challenges. I have a huge challenge because I I spoke to a pastor just last week or two weeks ago who's been doing this model for 12 years. I'm hearing him, I'm like, it's awesome. But he started the church with that model. We didn't. So we have a building that you are still faithfully paying off. Thank you. God bless you. And we have a way of doing church for years where people could just come to church. And we, we have people still just rock up. They've been driving past for years and they came. And then every second Sunday, the gates are locked. And I, I, I couldn't get over past that. And we talked to the team and we realized, yeah, this is a challenge. So come September, we are going to be having our home church here on site. And we're at a point where now we can do that, where, where we've, we've got the recordings early enough, things are moving in a place that we can do it and be in unity. And it'll be a space where I don't have to say, hey, welcome if you're a guest or, or Andrew or Ben or whoever's up can say, welcome, guest, next week, um, hmm, come and see me and we'll try and help. And this, no, next week, just come back. Now, when they come back, it'll be different. Be like, oh, this is different, but different's good. Okay, and we can focus on them and help them connected for people that are maybe not ready yet to do this home church space in, in someone's home. Okay, because you might be feeling like, I don't, I don't trust people that much just yet. That's okay. This can be a space where you can come and see why we're doing it and hear more about why we're doing it in this way and, and just do community. Sometimes it will mean that you go, I don't know if I can do this. I just want to go and, on that weekend go and be with my family. That's okay. Because Whatever we do together, if we're united in it, Christ is in it. Because church isn't just Sunday. It's every day. So some Sundays, you might just go and hang out with your brother who's not in church. And that's being church. Because we're sending you out to go and help him move forward, go over his pain and the problems, and help connect him back into community. There will be times where you take a long time to connect with being in a home. That's okay, but we do encourage you to have that as the vision because you've been created for community. And in the Western church, unfortunately, a lot of the way that we have done this, is, and this is not a criticism, but it's just a reality, is that we have individualized our Christian expression and our salvation expression too much. Listen, you're saved into something. And you're saved into Christ, but you're also saved into the body. Your your experience with Christ is not meant to be done alone. And I know what it likes to to have been let down by the church. I spent years in in my teenage years away from church. I loved Jesus, but I was disconnected from the body. But God has spoken to me so clearly about this that that's okay. It takes time to heal. It takes time to grieve. It takes time. But there must come a point where you get connected back into community in a way that is deeper than how was your weekend. In a way that is deeper than lifting your hands and then bolting for the door. And let's talk through the areas for you as an individual who is unique and has different ways of doing things and desires and likes. Let's talk about those areas 
and let's move forward and see how we can help support one another into that space. But let's never put our preference above our purpose. We have to move sometimes beyond what we would prefer and go deeper into what God has ordained and his purpose of a redeemed community. Because if we can't work it out, friends, if we can't be a community that kind of has issues sometimes, but we still love one another and we get together and we still connect, if we can't do it, what hope does the world have? Because if freedom looks like I just got my get out of hell card when I finally die, that's not freedom. Freedom is I'm living free today and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Oh, this day I was back here, but today I'm back up and I'm moving forward and I'm moving and growing and maturing in my faith. And I need you. Man, I need you. And you need me. And we do it as community. So I'm going to ask us to pray. And I thank you again for allowing me to just go a little bit longer today. I think I'm, there's going to come a point where I can't say that anymore. <laughs> but I'm working on it. That's good. I want you to pray. I've got a couple of questions for you to ask God. Come Holy Spirit. Okay, first question. Should I take a step today into connection in a home church? And if you find yourself saying yes, I want you to come and talk to myself, the Kingstons, the Aikens. You could probably talk to anyone in this church, to be honest. They'll be able to help you know who you should talk to. But should I take a step today to my first connection in a home church? If not, that's okay. Just cruise. Go with God. Let the Spirit lead you. Question number two, just keep your eyes closed and just connect with God around this. If I'm not connected, why am I tempted to step out of a home church right now? And what can I do to address this? What is causing a discomfort in me around the way we're currently doing this? Maybe it's too vulnerable. Maybe it's too this or maybe there's challenges. What is happening and what can I do? Not what they can do. What can I do to help address this? And that might mean having a conversation and it might be a scary conversation. It might be a conversation that, that could sound critical. It's okay for you to disagree. Just do it kindly. Set up the environment for it. Don't go and unload on someone after this service. It's not the right context. Create space where you can have a conversation and say, hey, I'm challenged by this or this is not really working for me. Last question you're in a home church, how can I help in my home church? And again, I don't say this with any judgment, not one drop of it. But sometimes when we go with the mind to, um, the word I'll use is consume, okay? When we go with the mind to take and receive, which we need to do, we're humans, we need our needs met, we need all of that, but if we're constantly going to somewhere with, with the idea of I'm coming to get, there's only so long before that, that doesn't work anymore. Sometimes the shift we need is, what can I do? Because again, you were created by God to bring the answer. 
And I've got to tell you, some of you have a righteous, holy frustration with some of the ways we do things here. So rather than leave, pray about how you can bring this to our attention because maybe God's put a passion in you that is an answer for our community. Maybe you're the answer to the prayer I've been praying, going, Lord, why is this and this working? And you're like, duh, I know. Well, come and talk to us about it. But again, I ask you to do it kindly. Let's look after our relationships. So Holy Spirit, we just give you these questions. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to bind us together in love. That we would be one church, one family. Lord, when we come together in these moments, I pray that we would touch the highest of points of praise and worship because you are worthy of our our most deepest praise. I pray that, Lord, people would hear about our praise, that people would come who have been disconnected from you for years because they hear that there is a well, a life spring in this place. When they come and praise and, and get together in community, they are filled. But I pray we would also be a community that is real, a community that meets in homes, that can connect at a deeper level and, and go through and support one another and confess our sins to one another and, and be healed and so that we would grow into you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you this church. We give you the ways of this church. And we thank you, Lord God, that as you can trust us, you will add. And those people will be loved and cared for and connected and we would take people on a journey of discipleship. I pray that you would put in all of our hearts this revelation today. And I pray for your grace and your wisdom as we continue to grow. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.